Covered by his grace. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. We are people that are covered. We are people that are covered by his grace. Covered by his grace. Amen. Uh, Well, we have been in this journey through the book of Ephesians. Uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible, it's, it's found toward the end of your Bible. It's a, it's a shorter book. It's a six-chapter book, and I want to invite you to begin flipping there or logging on and scrolling there, and that's where we're going to land today. Excuse me. We are here in, in this chapter, in chapter five, and it has been a journey. I do want to welcome everybody that is here today, and I also want to welcome all of our older elementary kids that are in the room today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, on the last sun, on the fifth Sundays of, of the month when, we, when those do roll around, we call it a family Sunday. We do have a kids bulletin uh, here that uh, kids can use and fill out. If you didn't get one, we can have some in the back. Make sure you can do it. We got some cool things here, like a word search and a fill in the blank. I'm going to use this myself to learn. Um, Really good. Thank you, our kids team and Audrey. Really grateful for that. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 5. If you're there, say, I'm there. If if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. eat. Come on, if you're hungry on this side too, say, let's eat. eat. All right, cool. We got everybody uh, that's hungry. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. The scripture that we're looking at today says, but sexual immorality... And all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Father, I ask in Jesus' name right now that you would give us ears to hear, hearts that are softened, minds that are opened. God, give us your grace. Even as I was reading in the Proverbs this morning, Proverbs 29. Those who trust in the Lord are safe. God, we're safe in your hands, Lord. We can trust you today, even with tough topics like this one. So speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm excited to jump into these verses, but I'm also challenged by them. Uh, These are some some deep end-of-the-pool type verses. So I want to just do an illustration really quick. Uh, just to declare something, and every once in a while, you're going to see me do this, all right? And when I do this, it's just going to be a reminder of who the person is standing in front of you, and it might just go ahead and calm some nerves in the room, all right? I, I got a prop here. Does anybody know what this is right here? Do you know, does anybody know what type of hat it is? It's a mailman hat, all right? I don't even know if I could put this on. <laughs> It's all messed up Halloween time, right? I'm not going to put it on. I'm just going to hold it up, all right? Uh, This is my mailman hat, okay? A a good mailman does what? Faithfully, on time, delivers the mail from the one sending it. Let me just clarify a couple things really quick. The person standing in front of you did not write this book. 
fully believe everything written in this book. But I'm not the author. I'm just the deliverer. I am the mailman of the message. So therefore, if you're mad at what's in the mail, don't bring, you know, it's, you take it to the one who sent it and have a real awesome God-dependent conversation with the author of the mail. He would love to talk to you. He would love to hear your struggles and complaints and praises for what is in the mail. The mail that I will be delivering today happens to come from God through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Amen? So now that we know our different positions and placements, you are the recipients of the mail. We're going to open it up and see what God has for us today, all right? If you're ready one more time, say, I'm ready. Ephesians 5, verse 3. You know, we were in this series, uh, and actually this series that we're, we're calling chapter 5, verse 1 through 21 is this one word. This one word, imitate. All right? Everybody say imitate. 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 So we're talking about imitating God. And that's not just a good idea. That was in the mail. Right? Last week, if you missed it, go online and check it out. It was, it was a pretty good sermon. Ephesians chapter, at least from what I heard from some, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says it like this, right? Therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. We talked about, hey, God loves us. He doesn't just love us as orphans. He loves us as children. He's adopted us into his family. So our, our, our identity as a loved child of God then shapes our activity as somebody who imitates our dad. Does that make sense? We're, we're imitators of our father. Because he loves us so much, he's a good one to imitate. So last week, we, we talked about a message that we titled, Don't Hate, Imitate. Right? Don't hate people. Don't hate God. Don't be a hater. Be an imitator. Right? Th- this week's message, if I were to title it something, I would title it simply this, Imitation by Elimination. Imitation by Elimination. Imitation by elimination. Let me give you a reality statement. This is going to be a two-part, two-part, because I was studying for this message. I was like, this got to be a two-part, right? We're going to pick it up next week. We're not going to get through it all this week. We'll go as far as we can. It'll be a two-part, but we're talking about imitation by elimination. Let me give you a reality statement. If, if you're a note taker, write this down. The more we imitate God, the more we eliminate sin. Amen. Come on, one more time. The more we imitate God, the more we'll eliminate sin. Here's why. Because on this journey of imitating God, you'll realize there's no sin in God. That Jesus Christ was sinless, perfection, holiness, and righteousness personified. That is Jesus. Here's the challenge. We're we're learning how to be imitators of him. So along the journey of imitating God, you're going to have to cut some of the fat off, spiritually and maybe even physically. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Spiritually, sin, right? That the more we imitate God, the more we eliminate sin. The more you become like God and the more Jesus begins to live his life through you, the more the Holy Spirit says, this has to go and this has to go and this has to push stop. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to strengthen you and empower you to let those things go. Because the more we imitate God, 
the more we eliminate sin. Amen? Let me go ahead and just put the cookies at the bottom shelf to make sure we're all understanding what the scripture is saying. Let me give you some definitions. The word imitate, by definition, is to take or follow as a model. That's what we're doing with God, right? We're taking God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all three in one. We're saying, okay, we're going to follow you. Another definition, to be or appear like. So as we imitate God, we're becoming more like God, amen? We're appearing more like him. So sometimes people will say, hey, you know, Mike, what's different about you? And you're going to be like, man, it's Jesus. Like, I'm not imitating the world. I'm an imitator of God, so you're starting to see God through me. I like the word represent. We're called to be representers of God. And if you break the word represent down, it's represent. So we're re-presenting God to the watching world. Amen? And people are going to be like, hmm, something is different about you, and I like that. Or sometimes people are like, I don't like that. <laughs> Both are God. Right? Because the more we imitate God, the more we eliminate sin. The word eliminate, it's a verb. One definition for eliminate is to completely remove or get rid of. Ouch. No amens. Um, Webster says to remove from further competition by defeating. I believe, listen to me, church, lean in. I believe that God wants to get us to a place where we no longer have to have competition. Should I serve God? Should I not serve God? Should I watch that or should I not watch that? Should I go to church or should I stay home? Should I go to group or there's a lot of things competing at that Wednesday night moment where it becomes less of a competition because it's eliminated. And all of a sudden you have a natural appearance like God because you're imitating. Does that make sense? Because the more we imitate, the more we eliminate. So the Apostle Paul is about to take us on a journey of what it means and looks like to practically eliminate things that are not like God, things that will slow you down on your imitation process. Because we're all imitators of something. The Bible would tell us to be imitators of God. So let's go ahead and look at verse 3. As we imitate God, what are we called to eliminate? The first one is one we'll highlight. Paul's saying, hey, be imitators of God, but, but, here's what that looks like, but sexual immorality. Now, this topic right here is a sticky topic, a difficult topic. Please don't get up and leave. Stay for the end of the sermon, amen? Uh, There's much to be learned here in this topic, but sexual immorality goes on to say, must not even be named among you. Wow. Tough, tough, tough topic, especially in the city that we live in when you can just blink your eye and sexual immorality is in front of you, covering our culture, not just in Vegas, but I've been all around the world and this topic is covering culture. Here's what I really believe. It's never been the case for the culture to shape how we read the Bible. Rather, the Bible should shape how we see the culture. Right? The Bible should be the book that becomes the lenses through how we see culture if we want to be good at our job, being imitators of God. Or, or, or in other words, denying yourself and letting God live his life through you, through Jesus. Because 
Because you can try really hard to imitate God and you won't be able to do it. Or you can just get out of the way and let Jesus do what he does. And he'll do it for you. Let him control. If you give Jesus complete control, he'll imitate himself. Perfectly fine. So there's no more competition, right? Jesus doesn't mess around with sexual immorality. Now let me talk to you a little bit about sexual immorality. Sexual immorality in the Greek is the Greek word porneia. It's where we get our English word pornography. It's a catch-all phrase that has everything to do with sexual immorality underneath it. It's a long list. There's all types of sexual immorality on display when it comes to porneia. Now one more disclaimer. I'm the mailman. All right? I didn't write this book. I, I didn't pick this text because some of y'all are be like, man, he's, he preached that just because I'm here. I promise you I didn't. <laughs> this was just the next verse. I probably wouldn't have picked it. I would have picked John 3.16 again. All right? But here's what we believe. We don't believe in picking and choosing, showing favoritism. Not showing favoritism. We believe in what's next. What, we're going to open the Bible to Ephesians 5. Last week was a whole lot of good stuff about our identity in God. He loves us. We're imitators. Well, this week we said, what's next? And it was verse 3. So now we need to be eliminators. We're allowing God to shape us. So if this is a message for you, and it is for all of us, just know it's because the, 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 the boss had this for you, and he wants to talk with you more about it in your quiet time with him. Amen? Facts? Deal? Okay, but sexual immorality, this phrase sexual immorality uh, encompasses a lot. Uh, It really just means a a type of sexual activity, sex in itself is, is not a bad thing, it's actually a good thing, it's something that God created and said this is good as long as it's initiated in the right context. See, sexual immorality is sex, sexual activity outside, outside of the context of a biblical marriage. What is a biblical marriage? That's a good question. Biblical marriage is the union between a man and a woman instituted and ordained by God as a lifelong relationship between one man, a husband, and one woman, a wife. This is what the author teaches us in his word. I have studied it front to back. I've looked for different definitions. I've tried to find them to make sure that I was ready in case someone said, hey, that's not really the definition. That's the definition that I've found. And if you find a different one, I want to learn about it. I'll change any of my theology as long as you got a book, chapter, and verse. But, but I, this is my profession. I live in this book. And I've found that the only context for a biblical marriage. Now, you could have something else, but if you want a biblical marriage, it it consists of an ordained by God, lifelong covenant relationship between one man as husband, one woman as wife, period. Amen? Let me give you a a, a quote um, from Pastor Andy Stanley. He says it like this. Sex is not for mature people. Sex is not for ready people. Sex is not for in love people. Sex is for married people. Can I get an amen? Like a few people clapping. Some people are like, I don't want to clap for that. I don't really like clapping for that. I mean, well, I think maybe the reason why I said this is because sometimes people are like, well, I'm mature. I'm mature. I'm good. I'm mature. You're mature, but you're not married. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
You're not ready because you're not married. Uh, Pastor, but we're in love. We're practically married. If you have to use the word practically, it means you're not. That's what I say here all all the time at Walk Church. We don't say you're like family because that means you're not. Man, you're like my brother. You're not my brother, but you're kind of like it. No. The Bible doesn't use like language. The Bible doesn't use almost language. I actually heard on the radio this week, um, on the radio they were interviewing uh, this this lady talking about relationships on the radio, and this lady said, me and my boyfriend, we've been together for 13 years. And the guy said, awesome. You said, your boyfriend, how come you guys aren't married? And she said, oh, you know, we're, we're like married. So you're not. <laughs> That's what you're saying. And, she, and they said, well, why don't you just go get married then? She goes, well, all it is is a piece of paper. But let me go ahead and say this. The piece of paper is what's blocking you. All it is is a big deal because if it wasn't so big a deal, you would go get the paper. Because that paper says, I'm committing to you, I'm covenanting to you for a lifelong relationship. It's going to be me and you till the day we die. If you gain 50 pounds, I'm still going to be here. If you get sick, I'm still going to be here. We're going to do this thing together. That's a biblical marriage. And one of the gifts of a biblical marriage is the topic of sex. Anything outside of biblical marriage when it comes to sex is called sexual immorality. I like how Andy Stanley's dad, Dr. Charles Stanley, says it. He says, God says sex is to be a part of the marriage relationship. Satan says sex is the relationship. And please be careful, church, to make sure you listen to God's voice. He's the author. And not Satan's voice. He's the destroyer. And if all the relationship is that you're in has to do and is subject around sex, that's not a good relationship. And it's not going to make it. And it'll be unhealthy and toxic and unbiblical. And you might want to consider having some conversations with God first and then your partner next. Uh, This is the the reading of the mail today. You, you, You came on a day where we jumped into the deep end. And um, I hope you, the Holy Spirit will give you some floaties, all right? <laughs> give you some, some floaties. Uh, what, all, what all falls under the topic of sexual immorality? Well, let me go ahead and start with heterosexual sin. Heterosexual sin is uh, sexually immoral. What's heterosexual sin? It's any sexual action engaged in by couples of the opposite sex, This could include, uh, but not limited to sex, talking about sex in an explicit way, watching or viewing pornography, touching in a sexual way, oral sex, prostitution, fornication, all types of sexual activity between heterosexual couples that's not in a marriage covenant relationship is sexual immorality. Therefore, the author of the mail says, don't even have it be named among you. Or as the NIV translation says. Now watch, this is about to buckle your seatbelt. The NIV says it like this. Um, But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint? Let me give you the definition for hint. Hint. A very slight or hardly noticeable amount. (laughs) Like, God, can I just kind of slight have a little? It's not even noticeable, God. God says, how much do you want to imitate me? Because the, the, the way you answer that question 
if you really want to be an imitator of God and allow Christ to live his life in you and through you and change the world through you, right? why aren't we experiencing revival in Las Vegas? Is because not enough people are getting out of the way so Jesus can live through us. Jesus wants to do miracles in our city. He wants to turn this whole place upside down for his glory. The problem is there's too much competition. But what about my will, God? What about what I want to do? What about my desires? But what about what I feel is right? Jesus never asked us what we feel is right. He just asked us to deny ourselves because he knew ourselves were the problem. Deny yourself, follow me. What's the definition of a disciple? Someone who denied their self and is now following Jesus. Jesus even said, take up your cross and follow me, which means it's going to be hard. It's a sacrifice to daily say, self on the shelf, Christ on the throne, right? I'm, I'm following the leader. I'm following my God. So, you, so not even a hint, fam. You know, like this is a message that the Lord spoke to me. I got saved in college. I was completely unaware of any of this language, and it felt very radical for me. And it might feel very radical for you. And the truth is, you're probably not going to be able to live a not-a-hint lifestyle right away. And, and one of the reasons why I love the Proverbs is because the author of the book of Proverbs was a guy by the name of Solomon who had up to a thousand concubines and wives. Brother had his, the sexually sinful problem of more than everybody in the room, right? He was all the way messed up. But when he became in a relationship with God, he started to live out repentance. And here's one of the things he wrote, Proverbs 24. A righteous man falls seven times. Let me go ahead and speak prophetically over you. You're probably gonna fall seven times. Claim that, I'm gonna fall seven times. Friend, get up again. A righteous person just says, all right, I fell, but I'm up again. You know, you ever seen like at a carnival, like those clowns, they got a smiley face, you like punch it, and it's like right back up? That's a Christian. It's like, the devil's like, I'm gonna knock you out. And we're just, I'm up again. I fell, but I'm right back up again. I'm rising. I'm, my strength is rising. And this time you got a little bit weaker and I got a little stronger. I got a little more scripture downloaded. I went to a few more charge groups. I'm in church regularly. I'm growing. I got some accountability in my life. I now know that not even a hint is the calling on my life. So I got to put up some guards. I got to get some help. I got to make it an action to say, you know what? As an imitator, I also need to be an eliminator. And where I need to start is sexual immorality. I don't know why God started his list with sexual immorality, but that's something he's very passionate about. To the point where he would say, not even a hint. It's heterosexual sin. It's fornication. It's homosexual sin. It's adultery. It's lust, which includes pornography, second glances, impure thoughts, masturbation, all those things. Yeah, we said them all in church. It's all right. We're in the deep end. Here's why. Because I've, I've been in church before where I said, all right, he didn't say the one I was thinking. Yes. He didn't say the one I was thinking. So it's, we'll rationalize with people. We'll say, hey, so it's all right, right? I mean, what, what, a, low, what a low bar question when you have to ask this. Is it a sin to... You have to ask that question? If you have to ask that question, that's a hint. If we're, amen. Amen. I'm with you. Like, I get this question all the time. Hey, uh, 
we're, we're not married, but is it a sin for us to still live together, sleep together? Is that a hint or is that like an exclamation bold mark right there? I mean, that's, that's, that's not a, tra- a hint. That's a trap. That's a trap. And I, and I know that this is challenging for some people in the room. Whether that's heterosexual sin or whether that's same-sex sin. It's a very real thing in our culture. And, and let's make sure that we don't put one on top of the other. It's heterosexual sin. The boyfriend and girlfriend that are living in sexual activity together is, is just as sinful as uh, two guys living together or two women living together in sexual sin. It's all underneath the subject of porneia. That's what the Ephesians dealt with. That's what the Vegasins dealt with too. That's what we're dealing with in our culture too. And, and friend, guess what? It's biblical stuff. Let's talk about it. Like, we can talk about these things because it's in the scripture. And let's not have a heavy hand, judgmental hammer on people when they fall into sexual sin. This is for all of us. All of us struggle with sexual immorality. Well, let me go and rephrase that. All of us have sexual immorality in our lives. Not all of us struggle with it, though. I mean, I, I, I get excited when a brother comes up to me and says, Pastor Hyde, can you pray for me? I said, well, how can I pray for you? I'm struggling with sexual sin. And I'll be like, let's go. They'll be like, why are you saying let's go? It's like, well, because last week you were living, glorifying it. Now you're struggling. I'm grateful for the struggle. At least you now see it as a struggle where it used to just be regular. We, we're, we're all fellow strugglers. I'm, I'm going to change my, my title. Instead of lead pastor, I'm a lead struggler, all right? We're all fellow strugglers on this journey of getting to know Jesus better, imitating him a little more closely step by step in our walk. One of the difficult items that he hits on is sexual sin, right? Heterosexual sin, homosexual sin. Uh, I can't remember how to say the word, pedophilia which is becoming a rising topic in the culture today as becoming a very real thing. This is a real thing, you guys. It might be a real sexual attraction. No, 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 it's sexual sin. To be very clear from what the author of the mail says, he says, no, no, all that is sexual sin. If you go to the Old Testament, there was struggle with sexual sin, bestiality, sex with animals. It's a very real thing. And that falls under the dialogue of sexual immorality. Does that all make sense? Here, Jesus levels up on this issue. He's very serious. Matthew chapter, chapter 5, he says it like this. He says, you have heard, let's just say Jesus says, walk church, open in the mail. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And we're like, yeah, I heard that. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus pulls out the x-ray goggles. And so what he's saying is if in your heart you've already said, yes, I would do it if I could do it, Jesus says that's the same thing. He says the same thing about hate, right? Because sometimes in our heart we look at somebody and we go, man, I hate that person. I would kill that person if I could get away with it. Some people say that. And Jesus says, well, then you already did it. Jesus says, I'm, I'm, you can fool people with your actions, but I know your heart. And I really think God's looking for men and women that are after his heart. That says, God, change my heart because if you change my heart, I'll imitate you. I'll want to imitate you. 
I want to imitate you. I, I, I love to imitate you. It's my joy to imitate you. All these things fall under the context of sexual immorality. I like how Pastor Craig Rochelle says it in his book on sexual sin. He says it like this. He says, it's time to get healed. Amen? Amen. Come on, one more time. It's time to get healed. Amen. It's time to confess. Falling for the bait doesn't make you the worst person in the world. You were snared. You were hooked. But you don't have to stay that way. Now is the time to deal with the shackles that keep you enslaved. He says, today you can leave the prison that sexual immorality has created from your past mistakes. Hear your father's voice call out to you above the noisy clamor of our culture. He says, I love you. You're free to go now. Sexual sin has no hold on you, Walk Church. Receive that. Believe that. If you're watching this online, this could be your story. It's time to get healed. It's time to get better, not to get bitter. It's time to grow up, not down. It's time to be the men and women that God has called us to be. Amen? Amen. And one of the ways we're going to do that is by saying, okay, you know what? Sexual immorality, I'm pulling an arrow out and I'm aiming it at you. You've got you to gotta go. I've got to eliminate you. Eliminating. Hey, give me the definition for eliminating one more time. Eliminating, if we can pull it up just really quick. Eliminating, completely remove. Don't flirt with it. Don't have a conversation with it. Don't tiptoe it. Not even a hint. Get rid of it. Remove from further competition. I bet you Jesus is so tired of competing with sexual sin. Do you know how many missionaries have chosen to not go and live their calling and their purpose because they feel so much guilt from sexual sin? So many people have said, you know what, I can't lead a group. Do you know what I did last night? I can't, I can't sit in the front row. I can't, I can't come to church. I can't grow. I can't go. I can't be a part of this thing because of all my past. Your past is past. God didn't give you eyes in your back of your head. Get past your past. Like, if this line is your past, like, step over it. It feels good. Go past your past and walk in victory. Walk into this new season of life where there's no more sexual immorality. If you got all that, say, I got it. it. All right, you got it. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and move into the next thing we need to eliminate. But sexual immorality and all impurity. And all impurity. Another tough one. There There is no margin here in this text. Just verse 3 alone is leaving us no wiggle room on these topics. Praise God for the grace that covers us. We're covered by grace. We're not going to be perfect. We'll, we'll, We'll get a new scoop of grace tonight, tomorrow, in an hour. We're covered by the cross. Jesus doesn't need to die again. We're called to imitate and eliminate all impurity. Impurity is something that God is not. God is pure. God is holy. A a synonym for the word pure is holy. The angels are in heaven singing, holy, holy, holy. In other words, God is pure. God is pure. God is pure. Amen? 
So here, let me go and give you the answer to the test. As we imitate God, we're going to naturally become more pure. Does that make sense? So because of that, we need to eliminate anything that is impure. Not only does Paul write this to the Ephesians, he jumps into this text as well in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, a challenging verse of scripture here. Uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and to the Las Vegas church. He says, this is the will of God. Anybody want to know the will of God for your life? Here it is. Tune in, lean in. This would be a good part to focus in on. This is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for your relationship. Sometimes people say, can you just pray that we'd be in the will of God? Here it is, ready? This is what I'm going to pray for. Your sanctification. The word sanctification defined is becoming more like Jesus. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Gosh, I thought he was going to say something different. <laughs> that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity. Notice this right here. Impurity is not an activity. Impurity is a calling. Do you want a calling on your life? You have one. God's not called you for impurity. I'll tell you what he hasn't called you to. Like God didn't pick up the phone and say, hey, psst, psst, walk church. I'm calling you to impurity. No, he said, I'm calling you to imitate me, which includes purity. But in holiness, therefore, whoever disregards this. I love this verse right here. Let me put my mailman hat on. Let me get my mailman hat, right? Whoever, whoever disregards this, disregards not hiding, but God. Deal? Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God says, look, I love how all the phones came out. Yeah, like, I got to capture this, right? Uh, God says, look, listen, listen to me. I know I look crazy. It's all right. This is crazy stuff right here. This is biblical right here. Call me crazy. The, the, the Lord says, look, I've given you the Holy Spirit so you can live holy lives. I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you can live pure, so that you can look at sexual sin and it not knock you out, but you knock it out and say, I'm striving after God. I want to be used by God. I want to touch the nations with my life. I want to make a difference in this short moment while I have breath. I want to make a difference for the kingdom. I don't got time for impurity. I don't got time for it. You got to start speaking back to the enemy. Speak back to your boyfriend who says, come sleep with me. Speak back to your girlfriend that says, come sleep with me and say, I don't got time to wait. I got time to imitate. I don't got time to waste. I got time to imitate. That's all I got time for. I just got to imitate God. And if I do that, I'll be all right. He says, I'll be in the will of God. The will of God is your sanctification, which means imitation. So on the journey of imitating, start eliminating. It might require telling somebody, I can't do this with you anymore. And that person's probably not going to like it. It's the best thing you could do for that person. Look, go back with me one verse. Go back with me one verse. 
It says, right, uh, that no one transgress or wrong his brother. You could be the one that's wronging somebody. In this matter, sexual sin, impurity, the Lord is the avenger in all these things. He knows all these things, you guys. He knows what you're doing and what you're not doing. He knows where you're going and where you're not going. He knows your heart. You're not going to pull a fast one. God says, I know. And he says this, hey, store up riches and treasures in heaven. Store them up. Some of us are filthy rich on earth. We're bankrupt in heaven. And some of the people that are bankrupt on earth, they're going to be rich in heaven. I want to be rich in heaven. I want to be a part of the will of God now and in eternity. Amen. And this is what the Lord says. Holiness is not just a command to obey. It's a calling to walk in. It's a calling for us to walk in. The Holy Spirit says, imitate me, therefore be holy. And I really believe the Holy Spirit will continue to make us more like himself. And impurity won't last long along that journey. Matthew 5, 8 says it like this. This is one of my memory verses. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Right, so Paul in verse 3 says it like this. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity must not even be named among you, right? Here's why. Because the more you see impurity, the less you'll see God. Hear me. The more you see impurity, the less you'll see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is a... I'm still trying to figure out this verse. Pastor Gary, I'm still digging in this verse, brother. Trying to figure out all that it means to to have a pure heart, to see God. I don't know about you. I want to see him move, amen? I want to see him move in my kids' lives. I want to see him move at this school. I want to see him move in our church. I want to see a movement of God. I want to see it. I don't want to read about it. Like, hmm, let me get another book on revival. In 18 so-and-so, the Spirit of God moved across the land. And you know one of the reasons? Two things. People got, got passionate about prayer and passionate about purity. People started turning away from sin. I'm no longer doing it. I'm going to start choosing and imitating God. The Lord showed up and started saving. There was a million people that got saved in New York in a month, 100 years ago. A million people? A revival sparked at a prayer meeting? And a million people got saved in one month. People got hungry for God. They started turning away from sin, turning to him, passionate about prayer. I think we could see it in our time. I don't know. I want to see it. I don't want to just play church. Like, this is, this is cool, but I want to see it happen. Therefore, we got to get passionate about eliminating impurity. And let me tell you something. It's not going to be hard the closer you get to Jesus. Because when Jesus begins to live his life through you, impurity will just fall off there's no room for impurity does that make sense let me me hit the last one the last one and then we'll be finished he says uh, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness that's an interesting word covetousness this phrase covetousness um, it in other words it means to covet some of your translations say greediness or some of your translations say idolatry. It's the worship of something that's not yours. It's covetousness is seeing somebody have something or someone and saying, I want that. 
It could be a Gucci bag. It could be the person sitting next to that person at church. It could be a ministry platform. It could be anything. John Calvin says our hearts are idol factories. We just crank out idols. I want that. I want that. I need that. If I don't have that, I'll be disappointed. If I don't get that right now, I'll be sad. If I don't have that many followers, it could be any of those things. That falls under the category of covetousness, where we start looking at other people for our success. We, look, we start measuring other people. We start comparing. It's the snare to compare. The fastest way to lose your joy quick, start comparing. Start looking at other people's Instagram feeds and saying, how oh, and it's a bunch of fake stuff. Come on. Don't get wooed away by that. Don't, don't fall into that covetousness. This is real stuff right here. We're talking about real stuff today. Right? So, so you got to deal with covetousness. Got to get in the wrestling ring with covetousness and start asking God, what am I coveting? Is there anything that I'm coveting? Because whatever I'm coveting, I need to let go. How about covetousness? It's the last commandment, the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20. God spoke to Moses and said, hey, Moses, Here's the commandments. Here's the commandments. I'm going to give you ten of them. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall love your father, honor your father and mother. You shall not steal, not murder, not commit adultery, all those things. The commandments. The last one, the tenth, observe the Sabbath. The last one, right? And you shall not covet. Because here's what, here's what he knows. If you start coveting, you'll start doing all the one through nine. You'll start wanting that person's spouse. You'll start wanting that person's shoes. You'll start wanting that person's promotion or position. He says, don't allow covetousness to rule your life. Eliminate it. We got to eliminate covetousness because what covetousness says, it says, God, you're not enough. I need what they have too. God, you would be enough as long as I got what this world has too. Right? When Jesus called Peter the disciple, to follow him. You know what, his th- what he said to him? Peter, drop your nets. In other words, he's saying, I'm calling you to something new. Leave your past behind and follow me. Now, I don't know what all that looks like for you. Usher discernment, use wisdom, talk to leaders, talk to God, talk to the mailman. And trust them and say, okay, you know what? I, I have everything I need because God is everything I need. <laughs> Right? The only thing that God wants from you is all of you. <laughs> He's just saying, you know what, I just, if you just give me all of you, we'll be good. Yeah. All right? Then I'll begin to live my life through you, and you'll be so much more happy. Yeah. I mean, how could it be that suicide rates are at the highest they've ever been? I mean, it, it breaks my heart. I think it's because of so much coveting, yeah. so much sexual sin and the guilt. See, the enemy would love to tempt you. Come on, come into this sexual sin. Right? When you do it, bang, you're so terrible. That's Satan, right? Do you guys ever have you have you ever had that that match with Satan? I know I have. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go. And then it's right turns around, takes the mask off. You're terrible. You're sinful. You're not a Christian. You're you're God doesn't love you. And that's when you gotta say, hold up, my identity isn't shaped by my activity. My activity is shaped by my identity. I'm already covered. I'm gonna bounce right back up. And hear me today, church. If you're struggling with covetousness, if you're struggling with impurity. If you're struggling with sexual immorality, whether that's heterosexual sin or homosexual sin, 
very real things, very real feelings, very real emotions. I am not trying to take away from the fact that these are not real things that we're dealing with in our culture. They are. And I, and I don't think it's just going to be a snap of the finger moment and they'll be, be gone. I just think that you should take up these conversations with the author and let him work in your life. And let him just, let, look, look here's, if you're struggling with homosexuality today, here's what God's going to do. He's going to put his arm around you. He's going to say, I love you. Let's walk together. And I'm going to walk with you until we get to heaven. I really think that's the gift. If you're struggling with depression today, Jesus is going to say, come on, I love you. I love you. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. And I know sometimes it doesn't even seem fair. Let's walk together. That's what Jesus is going to do. Now, along that journey, he's going to tell you some things that are going to help you. Because remind you, the truth will set you so Jesus is going to say, hey, eliminate this thing in your life so you can be free. And I'm going to walk with you there as well. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go and make disciples and I will be with you. I like how Dehati Lewis says, he says, we're not just a witness, it's a witness. He's with us as we're in this life together. I'll close with one verse. I'm going to close with one verse out of the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Uh, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Can everybody hold your hands out like this if you, if you want to? Just hold your hands up like, just like this. Just, just in, you don't got to put them up. Just like as a posture to receive. Just a posture to receive. If you, if you would receive this verse. He says, keep your life free from the love of money, covetousness, and be content with what you have. For he said, the mailman, the, the, the God who gave the mail. I'm the mailman, but God said it. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Will you receive it? So we can confidently say, walk church. Say this with me, church. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen? Amen. If you can say that, if you can say, okay, hey, you know, the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to fear. What can man do to me? I receive that I don't need to covet, I don't need to have a, 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 impurity, I don't need to have sexual sin. I, I'm going to make it because I'm holding on to him. I don't need those other things, I just need him. He'll, he'll do the rest. Let's pray.